from Ski Tracks, it's the show people talk about. It's Talking with the Gravy Train, your source for Nordic news and one-on-one interviews with current Nordic skiing newsmakers of the day. Sometimes we'll look back and share the rich history of the sports, and sometimes we'll be engaged in the current topic of the day. And now, here's your host, longtime Olympic announcer, Peter Graves. Hello once again, everybody. It's another edition of Talking with the Gravy Train, and I'm Peter Graves. Happy to be with you, and happy New Year to you all. A lot going on in the Nordic sports scene here, and uh, we have a special guest today in studio with us, Max Cobb, the president and CEO of U.S. Biathlon. And uh, Max, it's great to welcome you to the show. Uh, it has uh, been quite a winter, and uh, you're at our studios here, which are familiar stomping grounds for you at Dartmouth College. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Great to be with you. Um, so, Max, you've been uh, traveling a great deal and have had a very visible uh, position uh, in the last few years, particularly, uh, about the international sports scene and biathlon. And that's kind of where I want to jump in right now. Uh, first of all, Max, um, you have, uh, within the last six months, been named president, uh, vice president of the IBU. Tell me a little bit about how that came about. Yeah, I was elected vice president of the IBU in September, and um, there was an opening on the board um, at that time, and uh, we had our Congress, and um, so that was, uh, you know, it was a natural progression, I guess, for me, since I had served for six years as the chairman of the IBU Technical Committee. Um, so it, it's nice to be able to influence the sport at the executive board level. Well, that that's wonderful, and certainly no surprise that you were you were picked for that. You've had a a long, long background in the sport, Max. How long have you been involved? <laughs> you know, I, I competed in biathlon a little bit when I was in college um, back in the eighty three to eighty seven time period, and I uh, really fell in love with the sport and the people in the sport. And um, I started working for U.S. Biathlon in nineteen eighty nine. So it's been over twenty five years now. And uh, not only have you uh, you've worked as part of the organizing committee on an, uh, Olympic Games as well. One of the most exciting projects of my career, Peter, and um, such a pleasure to share that with you. Actually, it was, um, it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, you know, being able to get involved with that project right from the beginning and be out there with John Alberg and the representatives from the international federations when it was still just a sheet pasture, and envision uh, an Olympic Games stadium built up there. It was, it was really phenomenal and such a pleasure to you know work closely with you and with Chad Salmola and Lyle Nelson and John Alberg. It was really an amazing experience. Yeah, it really was. Of course, uh, our listeners will uh, note that World Juniors are going to be coming up uh, in uh, Soldier Hollow and uh, the jumps of Utah Olympic Park in, in just a matter of weeks now. So, Max, what is it like to go from um, where you've been into this uh, prestigious uh, seat with the IBU. Um, this is a, a step up in, in terms of, of uh, your influence in the sport. 
Yeah, you know what I feel really good about, Peter, is that I can bring all my experience from working with the technical committee, from leading um, the organizing committee on Olympic Games and working in organizing committees for World Cups to the executive board, as well as the close contacts that I have with the teams, with athletes and with coaches. And I think that's a a perspective and a voice that really helps the IBU have a more well-rounded picture when we're making decisions. So you have come back recently from um, some meetings in Europe, Can you, uh, which I think was executive board meetings of IBU. Can you tell us a little bit about what transpired recently in Munich? Yeah, we, you know, it was the first meeting that we had after the McLaren report came out. So um, there were a lot of discussions about how to proceed. And, and really the whole situation is, is very complicated because this – um, you know, apparent corruption was so well designed and so well um, orchestrated that a lot of the evidence was destroyed in the process of the whole um, thing happening. So, so it's going to be an interesting case where you know we, we've announced that we're conducting investigations into the specific cases involving athletes as well as into the Russian Biathlon Union itself and. The Russian Biathlon Union gave back their events, which were the Youth and Junior World Championships and a World Cup for this year. So those have been reallocated now. Um, and, you know, I expect that we'll have ongoing conversations as as this unfolds. But it, it really is a, a sad and, and tragic uh, situation where, you know, I, I feel that the athletes really – in Russia had very little choice as to whether to participate in this or not. Um, I think it was a uh, something that was orchestrated, obviously, on a huge scale across all the sports and really thrust upon them. And, um, you know, I think that kind of abuse of, of athletes uh, needs to needs to be recognized and called out for what it is and, and brought to an end. And uh, I, I really hope that um, this is the beginning of that process. And not only biathlon, certainly, but oh, also no, in talking... cross-country skiing and, and, and in much broader senses, you know, track and field and, uh, and other things. But Max, it, it took a long time for us to arrive at where we are now. How quickly do you think, realistically, uh, we, we can be in, in amending these problems? I mean, uh, will it take us a really a long time to emerge from where we are now? It's so hard to know, Peter. You know, I, I think it's it's really um, illustrative to look at, at the track and field or IAAF experience to try and estimate what what may happen for all of us um, in sport right now. That, you know, they've certainly, they were the first to um, take, you know, take action in this whole um, scandal and and um, really call for a change in sport culture in Russia and, and I think you know just talking globally not specifically about biathlon or anything else I think that's what that's what's necessary now you know we should we should make sure that the bold and brave whistleblowers who came forward in this whole process and and it you know that's the um, Stepanovs, of course, but also others who are unnamed who have spoken with McLaren and, and Rodchenkov himself. And we should make sure that the sacrifices and the risks that they took weren't for nothing and that this is the time when we can use what we know to help change the culture. And, and, and it's, you know, 
I'm sure that there are other countries where the culture needs to change as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, specifically, uh, the uh, the IBU has moved uh, what World Cup finals? Is it to uh, Finland? It was not our finals. It was oh. the um, the second to last World Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I think cross country had their finals there. And um, do you have a sense how uh, the Russian Sport Federation cotton to that? You know, I think they they were very magnanimous in their response um, and or their statements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they said under the conditions, you know, we're um, essentially concerned that this won't be a celebration of sport, but um, you know, be involved in other things. And I, I think that's that's right. I, I think we need to, um, you know, as we're confronting this crisis in the middle of our season we need to try and and keep you know keep our focus on really on sport and yeah. and as much as possible you know and i heard it both in cross country and also in talk of biathlon but as it has become apparent to me over the years the athletes actually have really hold and wield a great deal of power you know there's been Talk of boycotts, and uh, do you think we've uh, maybe come to the point where some of that has been headed off, Max? You know, it's hard to say. I, I, I think um, the FIS athletes put together a really nice um, petition or letter mm-hmm. to um, the board, and I think that was that was well done. Um, you know, I, I I heard that there were some talks about. Um, things within the biathlon ranks as well, and I, I certainly have heard from a lot of athletes who are frustrated and, and um, care very deeply about the reputation of their sport. And I think that's you know that's the thing that can be hard for people to understand um, is that we have made so much progress under WADA's guidance and under the WADA era for the last 17 years in really changing, um, making our sports, Nordic and biathlon, more clean, way, way, way more clean. Mm -hmm. And um, to the point where what athletes are able to get away with is really the benefits are very, very narrow at at this point. Um, So... Not to say that we give up here, not mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not what I'm saying, but um, just not to believe that we're really um, having a, a crisis that envelops all top athletes. I, I don't believe that, and and I think the athletes that I've spoken with are so clear that they want um, clean sport and they expect the IBU to act deliberately um, and swiftly. So I, I think we're, I think we're on the right road. Yeah. And well, it goes without saying from the chair that I sit in uh, that um, you deserve a great deal of of, uh, of um, laudatory comments for for um, being a strong and consistent voice, uh, being um, willing to take some risks. And um, it is clear when you look at many articles on the subject in uh, journals like the New York Times, for example, you are often called upon. I, I suppose in one sense it's been uh, an enlightening and, and interesting journey as well. It has. It has. And, and I have to you know, um, give 
a lot of respect to the journalists um, from the New York Times and and from USA Today and ESPN who have done a great job um, covering the the ongoing doping crisis and they've done it with so much integrity and so much heart really and I think that's that it's been so great to see that and hear that from them with the, the you know the Times stories are so well researched and so smartly done um, it's it, I think it has brought to light a lot that um, might have taken years longer mm-hmm. to come out. Yeah. Well, Max, um, thank you for sharing that with me. And and, and I want to move on here because that, that is uh, certainly a big part of the story, particularly at present. But um, there is also so many good things to talk about, too. And, and I, I want to go there. Um, and um, first of all, um, because it's of great interest to me, the sport of biathlon and the IBU draws incredible TV ratings <laughs> when they have World Cups and World Championships. They're they're off the charts, really. And um, I look at as an announcer too. I look at the graphics package that the IBU has and how much fun and and. But like, talk to me a little bit about um, how this has captivated so many viewers globally. Yeah, it's it's such an exciting time for our sport, really, because we, you know, for years we've had um, strong ratings in Europe, as you say, you know, among the top winter sport um, television ratings of uh, during the whole season. So, you know, uh, upwards of um, even up to six six and a half million viewers yeah. in Germany, which is you know almost ten percent of the tel- total television audience. So, tremendous ratings and and great crowds. Just last weekend in Oberhof, we had I think. 25,000 and um, before Christmas our, our last World Cup before Christmas was in Novo Mesto in the Czech Republic and there we had 35,000 spectators wow. in the stadium and along the courses and it just an amazing atmosphere and the first time I can really remember where when a Czech athlete would come in my ears would actually hurt in, in the stadium because it was so loud but um, but you know I think the the natural drama of biathlon and how we have Focus to have three fifths of our events now be head to head, where um, you know the it's so intuitive for the television audience and the spectators um, to see what's going on, and yeah. um, so that drama that's created on the range, and and you know I can just speak to um, Sunday Sunday morning's men's mass start, um, which was probably one of the most exciting events that. Um, that this I, is Oberhof. This is an Oberhof, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's available online uh, through um, EurovisionSports.tv if you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. But um, just a, incredibly exciting, right down to the you know sprinting for the podium at the end. And I won't give away the. Uh, but it, it, if you if you haven't watched a biathlon event, um, that that would be one to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very yeah. very exciting. Um, do you see any new things on the horizon in biathlon, either at the IBU or at the U.S. Federation level? Uh, might we see some uh, new formats or anything, anything like that on the horizon? You know, we have a couple of new events that um, are relatively recent. We have the uh, mixed relay and the single mixed relay, um, which are a little bit different. Um, and I think, you know, we are 
checking those out, and there is, um, you know, some talk about how we could bring those events or bring the single mixed relay into um, the World Championships and and eventually into the Olympic Games too. So so that would be a, a new format for us. It's it's one man and one woman, um, and they tag off um, in. Be- in between their bouts on the range. So mm-hmm. it, that's, a, that's an exciting um, format. But, you know, I, I think what we're looking at is more of a globalization of the sport. Um, and for the last three world championships in a row, we've had North Americans on the podium um, at the at the world championships. And we saw at the Youth Olympic Games that the Chinese team actually won a medal in the in the mixed relay um, competition there. So, you know, as as the whole Olympic movement pivots for the next three games to Asia, I think the opportunity for the sport to grow beyond the confines of Europe and really take root in North America and in Asia um, is, is a tremendous opportunity. So I, I think that's that's probably the the change that that I see ahead. One of the other great things that you've you've also had is you've had a fairly consistent World Cup presence in the United States. Something that's been tough for American cross country skiing uh, to be able to do. Um, that kind of brings it front and center when you can do that. Um, uh, and, you know, just from my own perspective, here's hoping that we continue to have, you know, World Cups and, and bring these events to to the American audience. And, and here's also hoping that uh, as we continue going forward that uh, American television will continue uh, to to be interested and grow with with the sport as well. Yeah, it, that's right. I mean, the hosting events is really important to um, give a uh, showcase the sport in the United States, and we always generate a lot more uh, domestic broadcast interest when we have events here in the U.S. And um, you know, we were very fortunate last year to have coverage on in the NBC family of networks mm-hmm. for the World Cup that happened in Canmore and the World Cup in Presque Isle, as well as our world championships. Um, we're, we're getting ready to um, be able to announce some more broadcast coverage for this season, um, which will be very exciting. Awesome. And um, I think within the next week or so, we should we should be able to make that announcement. But um, there, you know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about NBC's long-term commitment to the Olympic movement is that they are bringing sports that haven't traditionally had a, a a venue in the United States um, to it, and now with the launch of the um, official Olympic Network right. uh, uh, in the NBC family, I think that's we're going to see more and more of that. And yeah. uh, and what an exciting time, you know, for um, cross country skiing to be featured on NBC's family of networks. Oh, absolutely! As well, with the yeah. tour to ski and yes. Jesse Diggins being on the podium so many times, and so just just really great to see both. Both parts of the Nordic sport rising up to prominence in in U.S. television. And um, it's been a a very good season for uh, a young Vermont uh, woman, Susan Dunkley, who who also went to college uh, uh, at Dartmouth. And uh, she she is – shooting has improved. Uh, She continues to – Get better and better results 
what's the synergy happening with Susan now? You know, su- Susan's such a tremendous story. So she started biathlon after she graduated from college. We had a program in Lake Placid um, where fast college gears could could get into the sport and sort of get fast-tracked in the sport. And within just a couple of years, she had a fifth-place finish at the at the World Championships, actually. Um, and, you know, but what we saw early on was she could ski with almost any of the athletes um, on the on the World Cup, but um, her range times were so incredibly slow that um, it was a real deterrence to her. And I, I remember specifically her sort of expressing her frustration that um, she would, in the pursuit competitions, she would pass all these women out on the course and then come into the range. And because it took her 10 seconds longer to get her shots off, she'd all, they'd all go past her again and she'd have to pass the same athletes back. And, and she just focused in on that like a laser for the last two years and said, I am going to change this and change it now. And um, so just this last uh, Sunday, Again, in the mass start competition, she had the fastest shooting time of any of the athletes. Um, and, and shooting time is something that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shooting times can range 20, 30 seconds in a four stage race from the fastest to the slowest. So, um, for Susan to be able to do that is just tremendous. And I think, you know, it's, it's very, very exciting to, um, think about what she's going to be able to do when her, her ski form reaches its peak. And, you know, she, she was just a split bullet away from a silver medal in Sochi. Um, <laughs> and she missed her 10th shot in the, uh, in the spring competition with a split bullet. And that moved her from silver medal position to, I think, 14th place. So mm. she's, she's can got be cruel. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's a brutal sport. Yes, it but, is. <laughs> but, uh, and so, they're in a lot of the drama for viewers watching at home, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and to see both Susan Dunkley um, and Lowell Bailey ranked in the top 10 at the end of the pre-Christmas World Cup rankings was tremendous. And uh, Lowell took some extra time. He's got a family now and took an extra training block at home in Lake Placid. And so he missed the last World Cup in Oberhof, but he'll be back in action in Rupolding this week. And and uh you know Susan had a had a top 10 finish in the um mass start on Sunday despite a couple of penalties in the last stage which is really hard to come back from so big kudos to to Susan too yeah Tim Burke yeah Tim Burke also um has had some strong performances yeah. we haven't seen him really put together the whole package yet um he said races where he shot well and skiing wasn't quite there and and the other way around so um very exciting to see what yeah. what Tim's going to be able to do um this year and and we've got some young and up and coming athletes Sean Doherty was very successful at the youth and junior world championships in fact having um won more medals than any youth junior athlete in the history of the sport mm-hmm. in any country. So um, unfortunately, he had a bout with Mono this fall and missed a big block of training yeah. to recover from that. But he's back on the World Cup now, and we're excited to see what um, what he can do. And Russell Courier was uh, back in the World Cup points yeah. um, last weekend as well. So that's exciting to see uh, yeah. Russell being back up there and skiing pretty fast too. Well, Max, uh, our, our time grows short, but I, uh, it's been lovely to talk to you, and it's been quite wide-ranging. And um, I, I know because I know you and respect you well. Uh, for you, this is 
absolutely a labor of love. I mean, you you love what you do, and your passion shows, and uh, it's proof positive that the program is being run really well. You've, I know you've got great coaches. You've got a hugely supportive board. Uh, uh, when when things work like this, um, and it's it's sustainability to the maximum, and the program is growing with numbers. To me, it shows great leadership. So, um, really want to thank you, Max, for all you're doing for the sport, um, the uh, voices you raise, and um, um, we'll look forward to uh, the rest of the winter and, and Korea coming up. Thank you so very much for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure as always. And, uh, you know, it, it is a labor of love and it's made possible by the tremendous team that I have around me, you know, between the athletes and the staff and the board. It's really great and it keeps my motivation high. Thank you.